0: So, um, so again, grateful to have you here, and uh, have you here for Advent in the season. This is really—I know I said already—but this is a big, big season. Uh, This is my favorite, not just because of like the cultural stuff we find in Christmas, but this the season of anticipation and journeying together. And really excited, so again, Happy New Year, Advent being the first Sunday in the church calendar as a way just to remind us of new birth and new life and what we're in, what we're kind of anticipating and moving towards. With that said, there for the next couple minutes, because I don't want to just like lead and teach us, that's part of this morning, but actually one of the things I think intentionally as a church we should be thinking about is drawing you in to, yes, hearing teaching and coming around the scriptures, but also... If we're intentional about the season, what are some things that you can be drawn into be doing as we move towards December 25th? and the arrival of Jesus. So we sent out a mother of all emails that probably none of you read this week. It was titled Christmas at Praxis. You're you're just, should we shame all of you that didn't read it? I don't think I read it after writing it. Did you? Oh, I love it. (laughs) Brownie points for you. You should read the emails if you can, because it helps keep you in the loop. But I also understand there was a lot of content in there. So let me go chronologically, okay, just to help you. Next week is, is Community Sunday, and so we're not going to be in this room, and what we'd love for you to do in your communities is think about your own gathering or liturgy, however you want to do that. Um, you can gather in the morning, you can gather in the evening. We're actually, on this morning, not going to provide, this day, provide any like content per se. We just want to put it into your hands for Christmas to eat together to celebrate. That may be doing something out of a home We want to leave it in your hands. Again, as a church community that is really like a hybrid in the sense of gathering like this, but then also in smaller communities, think about what you could do to just, have fun at Christmas, but also maybe create some of your own rhythm there uh, just to celebrate and reflect together. Probably that's going to be around a meal for the most part, but just be thinking about that, okay? So that's next week. Two weeks from today, the 11th, December the 11th, we throw a Christmas party every year, um, and we haven't been able to the last couple of years because of COVID. So instead of having a morning gathering, two weeks from today, we're going to be in here in the evening at 5 p.m., We're going to have a Christmas party, and there's going to be long tables, and it's going to be a great evening. We are encouraging you to bring something to share, to eat for a big potluck in here. The church community, like the church will provide drinks and coffee and dessert, and we're going to have long tables in here. We're just going to eat together. If you were here a few years ago, it was amazing. We've had some great Christmas parties over the year. We want you to wear your ugly sweaters if you can. We want you to bring a horrible gift for a horrible gift exchange. So we encourage you to bring like a really bad gift that's wrapped up, and we exchange gifts. We're going to have some games up front, uh, some music. It's a really just like an hour and a half of hanging out, eating together, and just it's a blast in this room. So that's two weeks today. No gathering in the morning. We're going to be here in the evening. We do it at five so that your kiddos, you can kind of be out the door at 6 30. Uh, I know with some having kiddos that can just kind of help get them to bed, okay? So that's the party. So next week, Community Sunday, two weeks is our party in the evening, 5 p.m. Three weeks is December the 18th, and that will kind of be Christmas Sunday in this room. We'll be here in the morning, we'll have carols and come around Advent and this anticipation. Then here's what we're going to do. Normally, we, the last few years, have had, when it's been COVID appropriate, we've had a Christmas Eve gathering. And we're just doing this as our own community this year. And so what we've decided to do is instead of doing this Saturday evening on Christmas Eve, because we know there's many people coming and going, on Christmas Eve, Eve, Die Hard Day. (laughs) It's the day I watch Die Hard. I don't know if that's, I'm sorry, that's just, that's a thing you're like, what? Yeah, sorry, that's, that's my diehard day. Um, uh, December 23rd, much more meaningful than watching Die Hard. We're going to be in this room for our Christmas Eve Eve gathering. It's going to start at 6.30. It's Friday night, December the 23rd. We're going to have an hour liturgy like we would at Christmas Eve by candlelight. We're actually, I really do hope, we're going to invite some people and just, I don't know who's going to show up, but um, we're going we're to have a gathering in here, 6.30 to 7.30 on the 23rd. Uh, The Christmas story and carols will be something for the kids as always, just as a way for our community to celebrate together. And then on the 24th, because we've noticed people are traveling a lot, then, you know, that's that's a thing and that can be a thing. So we're just going to try that this year and see how that goes, and we really hope you can come. For the Christmas party in a couple weeks, we do hope that you can sign up and let us know what you're bringing to share for food, just so we know. If you go to mypractice.church, slash Christmas party, you just pop in there what you're going to bring, and it's going to be a great time. So those are the next four weeks. So next week, Community Sunday, the week after our Christmas party. December 18th, we're in here. December 23rd, we're going to celebrate Christmas Eve Eve together. Now, as part of this, part of the journey you know that, like, with Advent, we're quite intentional. Last year, we had, like, an art kind of gallery of a guy's art from the, uh, the States, and it kind of helped, It was kind of pinned out on the walls, and a very, very beautiful time as we reflected each week on these kind of paintings and, and artwork. Um, along with that, last year, we gave away a book, and we just felt like one of the things we want to continue to do during Advent is give us resources. And so, you know, the last few years, we've done something called Advent Daily, it's a daily reflection on Instagram and Facebook in our story section. Uh, we did a podcast one year. where It was like a daily podcast. Just gives you something to help center you as we kind of anticipate towards December 25th. And so we're doing that again. You'll notice at the back there is a book by Brian Zond. It's a daily reflection to, to Christmas called The Anticipated Christ. We have copies back there, and those are for you. You can take one for your household, now here's the deal, take it if you're gonna use it. Here's what I know with books, Everybody, everybody's eyes gets big, oh yeah baby, and then you take a book and you don't read it. We're just ask if you take it, like just be serious about actually using the resource. So there's a bunch back there, if you want to take one for your household, take it, um, and it, we're going to probably run out. So if we run out and you want a book, come see Sonia, and we're just gonna, we'll get one to you in the next couple days. We just didn't want to buy a bazillion and then not everybody use them. We wanted to kind of be thinking about that. So take a book. And uh, it's a daily reflection that you can engage. You can even read it with your kids. There's great reflections in there each day moving towards Christmas. But as well, Cam and Laura uh, Phillips, who kind of help run our social media, are going to do Advent Daily again. There's going to be daily reflections. A lot of it's going to be kind of reflections pulled from the book and posted online in our story section. And so whether you take the book or you don't, we hope you can engage with that in reflection and some of the prayer and scripture scripture that comes with that, just as a way to move towards Christmas. Make sense? So grab a book, it's there for you. Take one per household, and then if we run out, just let us know. Is that everything? I think so. Sure, that's a lot, but uh, we're just excited about this time, and obviously want to create space for us. Yes, question, I love it. Yes, I see that hand. Come to Jesus. Yes, oh, this is great. Ah, that was the other thing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes. You did read the email because that was at the bottom, right in the chronological order. Okay. Um, you're like, I didn't read the email. Yes. At our Christmas party on December 11th and on Sunday, December the 18th, we are going to be taking donations. Our students are taking donations for uh, uh, the women's shelter and um, Arcade and Ronald McDonald House. So we're taking socks. If you want to bring a ton of socks to the Christmas party, that will be going to Aid. And then we're taking unwrapped Christmas gifts, Christmas like toys, for Ronald McDonald House and uh, uh, Avona? Uh, Anova, sorry. Anova Women's Shelter. So you can bring all that to the Christmas party or December 18th. We're going to have a place where you can bring it and then uh, the, our students are actually going to go and distribute that. And then uh, along with that, Yeah, if you're a contributor and you want to contribute to maybe something above and beyond this Christmas at at Praxis, there is a space where we give online that says, titled Christmas giving or whatever. And what we're going to do is any funds that come in from now to Christmas under that, we're going to divide between those three organizations, ArcAid, uh, the Women's Shelter, and uh, Ronald McDonald House, along with global workers that we're connected to, Peter and Patricia DeWitt. Peter does a great job uh, in urban Paris in France, working with the homeless community there. And um, he is really doing a work... uh, forget the name of the organization, but doing great work daily, like right outside his home, um, feeding and working with an organization there to help bring uh, the love of Jesus, but really in practical ways helping people who are on the streets there. And, um, so we want to just bless him. Heather and I had a dinner with him back in the spring and just really felt like it'd be a great opportunity to kind of continue their mission on as well. So we'll divide all that. So if you want to, if you're looking for something, there's opportunity there to give to that and we'll spread it out, but bring donations as well. I think that is everything. If not, come back. Don't come back next week, but in a a couple of weeks, I'm sure we'll have more announcements. It's good. Um, with that said, if you want to open with me, we're going to kind of quickly go through, uh, some of what I feel are the leadings of this hope and anticipation. So if you want to open up, we're going to flip a couple different places. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. And you're like, Genesis. we're starting in Genesis? Don't worry, I promise it won't be crazy long. But here we are at Advent, the, the season of longing and anticipation. Really, when you think of our instant kind of society, And how you have the entire world in your pocket, right? My kids grow up in a world right now where there's instant, in many ways, gratification and information. We enter in as the Jesus community into a place and space where we slow down and we anticipate. Most of us in this room are Jesus followers. And so the uniqueness with a time like Advent and Christmas is (laughs) we've done this before. I'm turning 40 next year. Yes, I know, 40, 40. And I think about just the reality that I have done this before and yet this is part of what it means to be a Jesus follower, is entering into the same type of rhythms year in and year out. Ruth Haley Barton, she puts it like this. She says, Advent in particular is a season that teaches us to do something that is very hard for us to do, to wait It teaches us how to wait for the advent or arrival of Christ into our world, not just way back then in biblical times, but wait right now in those places where we long for his presence and we need his intervention. Waiting for Christ coming into the places of our lives where we need him the most right now, it ushers us into a special advent as a special kind of waiting, that is alert and it's watchful, full of anticipation and yet patient. The prophetic witness of John the Baptist calls us to become intentional about creating the conditions that ease Christ's coming into our lives alone and together, to remove whatever hindrances and obstacles there might be to Christ's presence. To make straight whatever is crooked in us. To smooth out the rough places so that the salvation of God can become evident in our own lives. Waiting. Anticipation. And what we want to focus on today as we've lit lit the first candle is just the reality of the hope of Jesus and his kingdom that is coming. Um, what I want to do is take just a couple minutes and just, again, remind us kind of from Genesis to the end of Revelation, the type of hope that we enter into as Jesus followers. You know, there's this kind of push and pull you feel in the scriptures oftentimes as you see God working in the world and amongst his people. Oftentimes what happens is there's fracture or there's disorientation this is if you read the psalms the psalms really embed this a lot there's disorientation and then there's reorientation that god in the midst of darkness and brokenness brings hope and life and so you see this early on in the hebrew creation account it goes pretty good early on the rhythm of god creating man and woman alone together in the garden called to cultivate and flourish in the world, they are naked and without shame. This is the writer's kind of picture. If you can get a picture, maybe, you know, don't get a picture of that, I don't know how I want to do that, but you get the picture of this world that's teeming with life and beauty, humans in relationship with God and the earth. And we know, again, we dial into this a lot. This story doesn't last very long. That humans succumb to the, the gravitational pull that we feel to go their own direction in a sense, to be their own gods, to, to go their own way. It's fascinating, again, and this is, we talk about this a lot, that the Satan in the story, the serpent that kind of comes out of nowhere, doesn't use bombs and bullets. He doesn't hold a knife to humans' throats. He uses ideas. And the primal idea is that they could become like God. They could be their own gods. Yet in amongst all of the disorientation that happens in the garden, right away, the Hebrew writer wants us to know something. That God is not done with this mess. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3, you see these curses that are given to the man and to the woman. And then uh, God also takes it upon himself to speak to the serpent. And it says this, Genesis 3.15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And then God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And then this little phrase in Hebrew, Genesis 3.15, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. He will crush, so God is saying this to the serpent, He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. And it's this little line when you pick it up where you get a glimpse, if you know the rest of the story of Scripture, that in a sense there would be this cosmic battle between God and His kingdom and His beauty and His righteousness. And there would be this ever-going battle with the Satan and his will for the world, his longing for death and destruction. And it would go back and forth. And so there's a glimmer of hope right away in the destruction, in death, in every which way the world was going. God was on a mission from the beginning. Actually, scholars call this, Genesis 3.15, they call it the Proto-Evangelion, The first gospel, sometimes we think Jesus kinda proclaimed the gospel when he got on the scene, and he did, but a lot of people say, no, 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 this right here, brothers and sisters, is the gospel. That the king would, that God would work through a messiah and a king, and would come, and he would save the day, and there would be this battle in between. And so, out of this, God calls a family, Israel, to reflect his love and light to the world, and how did that go? Well, we know the story, obviously, at times it went great. In this community, kind of being drawn out to be love and light. But most of their story is disoriented as well. To the point where you get to, in between the Testaments, this, this quiet time between the Old and New Testaments, where Israel is, obviously they failed, The prophets are calling Israel back to be faithful to God, to to live in faithfulness, to do what God has called them to do, to live in justice and righteousness. And as they fail, it goes quiet. And so Israel is longing. There's this hope and longing for something to change. You get to Jesus. Luke 1, verse 26 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. This, I mean, I know we read this every year, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, that's loaded right there. Mary, for really from the backwoods, Nazareth of all places. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And you know, again, I've said this before. We have pictures of angels in our own kind of modern context. We think of like touched by angel. Everybody loves the angels. Interesting in the scriptures, any time an angel showed up to somebody, what did they do? They pooped their pants. Okay, right? They were just of, of course. Mary was greatly troubled at this and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus." He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne. Yeah, baby. The throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. And of course, Mary asked, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, great question. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Take that, Caesar, right? Caesar Augustus was known as the Son of God. There is another kingdom coming. This is drop-the-mic type of stuff in the face of the empire. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So you feel feeling it. There's orientation in the garden, disorientation, and hope. There's hope. There's this glimmer of hope in the scriptures that we get that God is going to to do something, that he's going to save the day, that there's this battle and the, the nipping of the heel and the striking of the head. And God, even in the beginning, even after the disorientation, is on the mend. He's working and moving. He tries to work through a people And so there's orientation and then there's disorientation in how these people respond. Israel and their own longing and their own responding. And here we have Jesus once again coming, God through Jesus fulfilling this hope that there would be a day that was coming in their time, in their moment where God wouldn't leave his people at a distance. But the hope is, is that God would give himself Literally, the word in the New Testament that's used for this is that God would come through Jesus and tabernacle, be this presence, be with humanity, get into the story of humanity and be with them. This, brothers and sisters, is a story of hope. Disorientation, yes, but always followed by hope. The story of Israel, disorientation, but followed by hope. John the Baptist as the forerunner, as we learned in this quote early on, and now Jesus coming into humanity. This is the picture we get. Now, it'd be great if Jesus just came on the scene, set up his kingdom, and boom, here we are, right? Everything is good. And this is the great tension we feel at this time of year, right? Is that's not the case. The Messiah comes in his life, his teaching, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then he does this really peculiar thing. He leaves, of all things, right? I can just imagine the, the disciples. I get this image in my head at times. of the disciples just kind of watching Jesus ascending, going, what? This, the story for Israel is that a conqueror was going to come and set up his kingdom, and that would be it. And here they watch Jesus at the end, like after his resurrection, at the beginning of Acts, ascend to heaven, leaving them the Spirit. uh, disorientation, hope, reorientation, disorientation, hope, reorientation, and here we are as we look around. Yes, we have the presence and spirit of Jesus, but if you look around, there's some disorienting things happening in our moment. Are you with me? The world we inhabit, we live, and this is what Advent kind of reminds us, we live in the tension of there's some really beautiful things, I mean, some of you think about this moment, things you're celebrating in your life. Christmas is upon us, all the joy that that brings. And then you look around and you see, I mean, this room gives us opportunity even just to visually see that there's things in our moment that are not good. And so what's with that? How do we live well into that tension? And maybe even the greater question is, amongst our disorientation, as we light the hope candle this morning, Is there actually hope? I think one of the things we need to wrestle through as Jesus followers is the celebration and reflection of Advent every year in Jesus' coming. But what's been so lost in our moment, and I grew up as a Pentecostal kid, so this was like right at the forefront of like every gathering when I was younger growing up. The return of King Jesus was like something actually people, like they really believed was going to happen. Um, I grew up in a moment in a church where like, it, it was deep within our bones that there was a belief that Jesus could return at any time. The tension I find right now in our moment is that this is part of the anticipation. This is part of what we long for because we know Jesus the Messiah came and this has been passed on to us a couple thousand years ago. The king has come The king, there was a longing, the king is coming. The king has come in the reality of we know 2,000 years ago that this has been passed on to us. But part of what Advent spurs on for us, yes, we reflect and move towards December 25th and a reflection backwards. But what's so lost in our moment is the hope that you and I live into that Jesus is doing something in the world and there's an anticipation that he is coming again. And we need to feel this at Advent. Yes, we're gonna celebrate like swaddling clothes, like baby in a manger, beautiful. The reality of like Jesus coming to us in our story is beautiful. But what can't be lost is as we light the hope candle, we are these people that hold on and long for Jesus to come again. So there's disorientation and there's reorientation. There's hope, right? the proto-evangelion, the proto-gospel. I'm gonna come, God says, I'm gonna come into your story and I'm gonna do something beautiful. I'm going to really crush the head of the Satan or the enemy. Disorientation in the life of Israel, reorientation, hope in baby Jesus who would grow up human, God's presence tabernacling among us. Disorientation in the world that we live in right now, so much disorientation. But we are these people that long for a day that we don't just look back, but we actually embody and experience God's presence in reality. Can we experience God's presence now? Absolutely. We have the Spirit. But there's actually even a better day coming where the picture in Revelation we get is this. Revelation 21. And this is Advent. This, we talk about Jesus coming, yes, but he is coming again. Listen to Revelation 21. John gets a picture. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And listen. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older older order of things has passed away and he who was seated on the throne was saying, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, God says, and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God. And listen, they will be my children. Disorientation through sin in the garden. Hope, reorientation. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna crush the head of the enemy. Disorientation in Israel's story Hope, Jesus, the Messiah, coming in flesh and blood. Disorientation in our moment right now. But brothers and sisters, there is hope. Just catch the imagery here of a city where the tree of life is there and there is no borders, no boundaries, no gates or fences or whatever you want to call it to keep people out, God's life and is flowing the image of water, flowing the rivers, flowing freely, this is a place that God is preparing for us. And part of Advent is, yes, anticipating Jesus as a baby again, as a reminder for us of him coming, but it is, it is a call to us that as we light the hope candle and as we think about hope, Jesus is preparing something for us that is beyond our imaginations. There's a writer, and and his name's Mark Sayers. I've used his stuff for years, and you know, um, you've heard me just quote him. And he makes a good critique about Western secular culture. He says that in our moment, um, really what we want is we want the kingdom, or yeah, we want the kingdom without the king. There's a sense that we want to kind of build this utopian kind of moment in our world where everything is good, but we don't really want King Jesus, right? We want the good stuff. We want a flourishing society. We want social justice. We want all these things, but we don't really want the king. And I believe that that's a really good critique in our moment of what most of the people we rub shoulders with. That is true. But here's what I find when we talk about hope is it's actually the opposite for most Christians I know. Most Christians I know want the king. They know Jesus as the centerpiece and the point of things, which is beautiful. But they don't want the kingdom. And this is the tension sometimes I feel is Jesus, the king, is bringing the kingdom. He is doing something and working something for good to see that everything we experience in this moment of disorientation will be removed and heaven is coming to earth and he is preparing a place for us of beauty, of hope, of joy, of justice. And so for some of us, we want the king, and that's beautiful, but just a reminder to us that part of our hope lies not just in who Jesus is, but what he's going to do, and that's hard for some of us to hear, because we hear things like Jesus plus anything equals nothing, you know, these slogans and sayings, and that's, that's great. I get, I get the point of that. We need to point people to Jesus, but Jesus is not disconnected from what he's going to do and what he is doing in the world. Are you out there? You with me? that God is doing something beautiful and profound and he's bringing his kingdom to earth. That there is a day where it will be, God will truly crush, I mean, he crushed the head of the serpent on that day through death, burial, and resurrection, obviously. But there is a day when The Satan and his minions and everything that we see kind of moving and working in our world. You know, we talk about control, right? We talk about God's control. Who really is in control? Well, there will be a day where God will bring his control, his rule, his reign, and he'll say enough is enough. And that is what we're anticipating. That is where the hope lies. It lies in the person of Jesus, but it also lies in what he's doing, And so here, you know, the last few weeks, I've been just had these really unique opportunities to be around a lot lot of non-Jesus followers, people who really have no religious participation or any, like maybe background, but as far as practice, nothing, and I was sitting at this party last night, obviously with the notes, I don't know if you know this, the notes sometimes run through your mind, your heart, as you think about teaching and preaching, and I just had this overwhelming feeling as I'm sitting around this table with people last night just thinking, gosh, a lot of people hear about Jesus, which is good, but they don't understand or know what he's going to do, the hope of what he's going to do. You know, that longing that sometimes people have for the kingdom displays itself in so many different ways in our current moment. And as I'm sitting here around this table, I'm just thinking about these people. Man, God loves you. And he created you in his image. And he wants you in his recreated world forever. This is God's longing and hope. And so we just don't anticipate something that happened 2,000 years ago. Yes, absolutely, that's the center of it but we also anticipate what God is going to do in the world, what he's doing. I think Eugene Peterson put it best when he said this. We're gonna come to the tables. He said, hoping doesn't mean doing nothing. It's the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations, of scurrying and worrying. And hoping, he says, is not dreaming. It is not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. Hope means a confident alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. This is hope brothers and sisters. It's an imagination put to the harness of faith. It's a willingness to let God do it his way. And for those of us in this room, you know, this morning, maybe that's just a reminder for us. As we come to the tables, to let God do it his way. Rome had their way. The cultural milieu and moment of the day in that moment had its way of how they thought this thing was gonna shape up, and yet God comes in the most surprising way through a baby, through a... Somebody fully God, fully human, coming to put on display what God is like. And yes, we read it and we consume it in the pra- p- pages of scriptures, but maybe for us, for some of us in this moment, we need to ha- just have a willingness to let, and let ourselves be reminded that God's way is he is creating a new heavens and a new earth that will come together. and We will live forever with him. And the beauty of this story is that we get the king but we're also anticipating something far better than what we see around us. In all our attempts, all our hope to make this world a better place, which is, hey, is great. We're all for social justice. We're all for these things. But I think of the day where Jesus will return and he will do his final work in setting this thing up forever. And so this is something we long for and anticipate as we look at the candles, as we open gifts, as we do our shopping, as we go into the season that's busy and the hustle and bustle. The call for us is just to anticipate. Anticipate the coming King. Jesus has come. He's coming again. Jesus is coming. He's come. He's coming again. Let that be our anthem. Let that be a mark on our community. You with me? You with me? With that said, it's, I mean, I love the songs this morning just of anticipation and hope. Um, now we're going to continue that by also reminding ourselves through the bread and cup as a way to remind ourselves in our rhythms that Jesus is preparing a place for us. So yes, he's come, form of a human. Death, burial, and resurrection is the centerpiece of this good news, this gospel. And I just encourage you, if you haven't responded to Jesus in the life that he brings, do that now. We invite you into that. But also, as we move our bodies towards the table, it can be a space for us to remind us that Jesus is inviting us to a great feast. This is the anticipation. So as we taste, and I know it's like prepackaged stuff, as we taste little, what is it, wafers, bread, yeah, whatever it is, and juice, the hope is is that our taste buds would help us come alive to the reality that King Jesus is inviting us to a table, to a place, to fellowship, to come into communion with him. Yes, we experience that now, but just what we read here. In this city, flowing with life, where there are no gates, there are no bounds, there are no, no restrictions as far as this city, but it's flowing, and life is flowing out of it. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. So we're going to do something a little different. These guys are going to lead us in uh, a kind of a carol of anticipation, a song of anticipation. But what I would love, actually I know sometimes we give space to kind of move towards a table like when we feel like it, and there's all, "I'm all for that, that's cool. But why don't we stand right now and um, together, let's just move as they sing. Just as a sign for us on the first Sunday of Advent that uh, God's preparing a place for us. And so I'm going to pray and why don't we move and we'll close our time by singing this. But let me pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your work. I thank you that in the midst of so much that seems upside down and disoriented, we are these people of hope. We lean into God, the fact that you're working in the world. This isn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago and is just like a little reflection and we move on with our lives. The depth of this story and what it brings to our lives changes us. So as we move to take the bread and cup today together, May it be a great reminder of your love for us, your blood poured out. And as we start Advent together as a community, may it be a reminder that you're coming again. The King has come. The King is coming again. And we long as we take little sips and little bites for this kingdom. We anticipate it, God. Your work, your plan. This is what hope is, leaning into you, God, and your plan. So as we move, move in our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our emotions, in everything we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.